0: Today's episode of the Gold Cast is sponsored by Banana Splits. Raymond, as you know, I was in San Francisco this past weekend with you.
1: It was fantastic.
0: Thank you. With our entire family. we were there. and after I was done hanging out with you guys, Jessica and I, we went to Ben and Jerry's in the wharf and we got ourselves. Some delicious banana splits ice cream. It was delicious. Oh, that's right. Yeah, remember that?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was good.
0: Yeah, it was very good. And so, this episode is sponsored by Banana Splits because they made me feel good this weekend, and they make me feel good right now. Now, Raymond, before we get started with this episode, why don't you let them know where can they find
1: us? You can like us on facebook.com slash thegoldcast, and you can also follow us on Twitter at the underscore goldcast, and you can also subscribe to us via iTunes, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same moniker of the goldcast. Like, subscribe, and comment, because we love to interact with you.
0: Yes, and Raymond, where can they find you?
1: I am on Twitter at Ray Solis and I'm on Instagram at Ray Solis1.
0: And you can find me on Instagram at Rudy Solis3 and on Twitter at Rudy Solis3RD. So concludes another edition of the (laughs) Gold Cast (laughs) Notes. All right. So this episode, as we promised, we said. At every four weeks, we would do a fantasy check-in. Now that coward, that coward of a host, Louis Bartoni, he couldn't dare show his face on this episode after the Rams lost to the Bucks, and now the 49ers are in first place. That coward conveniently is at work today. And I'm going to make sure he hears this. I'm going to make sure he hears that I said this. That's right, I called him a coward. I called those Rams cowards. Because now the 49ers are first place in the NFC West and those lowly douchebag Rams, they are in second. And it's a glorious day, Raymond. And so he couldn't show up for this NFC West fantasy value check-in that he said he would because like the Rams, he just can't hack it. So me and Raymond, we're going to do... The NFC West Fantasy Value Check-In. We did one right before the season on August 15th. Go back through your episodes if you haven't heard it. Listen to it. And we're going to check in how right were Louie and I. How wrong were Louie and I. We're going to talk about it. But first, the greatest fanalist in the game is here. Your professor of fanalism is here. Classes in session. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. We are. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Solis III, and with me is my brother, my co-host.
1: Raymond Solis the First, baby.
0: Boom. Alright, Raymond. I mean, aside from the obvious, aside from the fact that can we just for, for just two seconds, right? Just two seconds. Can we just bask in the glory of being first in the NFC West? Can we just bask in that glory? Can we bask in the glory that we dismantled the Bucks and the Rams? The Rams couldn't even get past them. Of course we can. we just can. bask in That's that That's what glory happens when you dominate just, the
1: bye week. Thank you.
0: Raymond, we have said this every year on the Goldcast for many years. We are undefeated on the bye. Still undefeated. We are the Miami Dolphins of the bye <laughs> week. We are the <laughs> we are the fourteen and zero Miami Dolphins of the bye week. That's what we are. We are undefeated, Raymond. Just, <sighs> you know, Raymond. I kind of decided after our last podcast that it was time to just stop worrying and love the three and zero start to the season. And that's what I've done. I have just been basking in the glory of 3-0, and something we haven't done in many, many years. We've, we have broken a lot of long-standing 49er records to season starts with this 3-0, and and it feels nice. And then after this weekend, after the Rams went down to the Bucks, we now find ourselves in first place. Raymond, the floor is yours. How do you feel?
1: I think it feels great to know that... Uh The Rams have got some vulnerabilities there, particularly, you know, Gurley just does not seem like himself this season, and when he's not himself, and you force Jared Goff to beat you with his arm, it's, you don't get the same results as you do when that team is running on all cylinders, led by Gurley. Gurley is the catalyst of that offense, and you know, dating back to late last year into the playoffs when he wasn't 100 percent, all the way to this year for some reason doesn't seem 100 percent. And Goff cannot beat you with his arm unless you give him a crap ton of time. Then you know him, like any other quarterback, is gonna be able to, to shred you up. But you know, I don't think Goff doesn't impress me. Impress impress me when handling the the blitz. I'm sure Louis disagrees with me. But uh, losing to <laughs> the Buccaneers, who you know have a you know, 50-50 defense and a pretty good offense, especially in the passing game with uh, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. We're going to, you know, we'll mention a little bit later. But uh, that was a big one. And Seattle. What can I say about Seattle? Seattle just kind of, you know, Seattle's more easier to dissect because it's just like they're aging. They're aging and, you know, they're. it's not easy to refill you know, pro bowl positions like the ones that they had, you know, some of those are going to end up in Canton, you know, so then that that's hard to the fill Le- up. The
0: Legion of Boom is a historically good defense, arguably in the, I'm not going to say on par, but in, in the same room as a 1985 Bears. Uh, a yeah. It'll, it'll get Denver mentioned Broncos.
1: Yeah. It'll get mentioned with the Broncos and the Ravens and the bears. It'll, it'll be among those you know, generational teams that comes along and just kind of dominates the league and doesn't even necessarily need the other half of the football to, to win all their games, you know, because that's just how they and the rules were obviously different when they were going to those Super Bowls. But, uh, but I digress on that. But I mean, he, here's the thing, they're aging, that's, that's the kind of the gist of their story. It's a little bit different than the Rams because the Rams are still relatively young. Their coach is still young and he's an innovative mind. He's a good mind to have in the league. He's not easy to, to play against, but at the same time, you know, they've got some deficiencies there. You know when, when the running game isn't established, it's really, really hard for them to keep going. Uh, or, or I would say, keep going. But it's hard for them to lean on Goff for the win. He, Goff's not the type of quarterback that carries your team. He's the type of quarterback that thrives with a good supporting cast around him. And if you start to chip away at that cast, he, you know, he's he's pretty vulnerable. But then on the other side of the ball, we know that Russell Wilson can carry his team. He is that type of quarterback. You know, he will most likely go to the Hall of Fame. And But the problem is his supporting cast is so bad, particularly on the defensive side. They've got holes. Even uh, uh, Clowney, you know, Clowney's been okay. He hasn't been like a he hasn't been the runaway dominant person that he was in Houston. And I think part of that is because in Houston you have to think about J.J. Watt too. So that opened up opportunities for him. And over here he doesn't necessarily have that same that same exposure. So I think he can't the, carry
0: the defense the way they thought he was going to. And I'll be honest, I was terrified when they traded oh, I, for him.
1: Yeah. I thought it was a huge pickup, but it really hasn't worked out for them so far. So, uh, you know, you know, that means that clearly he's the type of defensive player that needs complementary pieces in order for him to get going. You know, he's not a JJ watt, JJ Watt can operate on his own. It doesn't matter. So, you know, they're vulnerable through age and, you know, some acquisitions not working out. You know, despite despite the res despite coming in with the resumes that they had, so and as a result, now the Niners are in first place. You know, so now we now have a golden opportunity on Monday, which we will talk about in a completely different episode. That's but right. We will give you a small preview in saying that you know Monday's game is now pivotal, based on you know our breakdown of the NFC West just now. And and you know the reason we don't mention uh, Cardinals is because they don't matter. <laughs> <No
0: case. laughs> No, they don't. Just like the Diamondbacks. (laughs) Just like the Diamondbacks don't matter. The Cardinals don't matter. The, the 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 rams are lucky to even be here everyone knows the true rivalries between the 49ers and the Seahawks but hey guess what rams you're at the big boy table suck it up while you're here because you know what when dessert is done you are out of here okay so just just a little reminder that there's really only two teams at the big boy table in the NFC West but we're you know happy that you're here you can sit with the adults for a little bit but as soon as it's over get the f out so yeah
1: they' they're, they're not they're not allowed at the big boy table right now
0: they're, they're really not I don't care you know they the Sean this is gonna be the true test of Sean McVay. Sean I've I've said this incessantly offline online and I will say it again here the the Rams the 2019 Rams are literally almost the spitting image metaphorically speaking of the 2013-49ers in 2011. Jim Harbaugh inherits a team that has all the talent in the world that should be in first place that just cannot get over the hump because of the inefficiencies of the coaching staff. That is the gym, the team Jim Harbaugh inherited in 2011 and he proved it by taking him to the NFC Championship. Very similar situation with the Rams. Excellent GM, excellent front office when it comes to picking players, but Jeff Fisher and his crew could not get past 8-8. Eight and eight. Sean McVay inherits an excellently a well-crafted team talent-wise and takes them to the playoffs first in the NFC West, then he takes them to the Super Bowl the following year, 13-3, and just like the 49ers, and just like the 49ers, they both lose the Super Bowl and now they're here the year after and you're starting to see a little bit of some chips in the armor and you're starting to see that maybe their quarterback in this system isn't as efficient as they thought they would. The only difference is is that they're still trying to kind of cater... To Jared Goff, they were not doing that with Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers. They forced him to into a system that I think comp- he was completely not ready for, and I thought they should have allowed him to continue passing out of the pocket, continue running. I think had they done that for the entire year, he would have continued his dominance. That's a discussion for a Goldcast from four years ago. This is 2019. That discussion's over. And I think you're seeing a team that, to me, you are looking at almost a spitting image of the 2013 49ers. This is a team that was going to continue its dominance. They're going to be pretty good, but they're not going to get back to the Super Bowl. I would be surprised if they even get back to the NFC Championship. I I would be very surprised. The 49ers went to three NFC Championships in a row. The Rams have not even matched that success. They've only matched the failure of losing a Super Bowl like the Niners did. I, I, I would not be surprised if they did not get back to the NFC Championship. I know it's a long season, but I wouldn't be surprised. And having said that, I... I'm really curious to see how Sean McVeigh and Jared Goff do next year, when the chinks and the armor crumble even further. I wouldn't be surprised if this team does even worse next year. But Raymond, what are your thoughts on all that that I just
1: said? I think it's absolutely true. I, you know, as where where they go from here, you know, it's we'll have to discuss some more. You know, perhaps with Louis, so he can give us a little bit more of a deeper insight into what he sees from the team. And then we'll of course uh, disagree with everything he says. (laughs) And, uh, you know, but, but as far as you're saying, you know, I, I, I think, you know, you, we are seeing, you're seeing a couple things. A, you're seeing the fact that Jared Goff, you know, can't, can't carry the team on his own. Um, that doesn't mean he isn't capable of of performing well. I mean, they, they had a, a pretty big shootout there with, uh, Tampa Bay, the defense gave up. The defenses gave up in this game, so you know that there was no problem with the offense. But you know, one team had more offense than the other, uh, enough to keep going. So I think that you know, going forward, they're going to have to step it up on defense because the road doesn't get any easier for them this week and next week, and uh, especially the following week, especially uh, week six. Um, so. That, that will be a big deal. You know, Seattle doesn't necessarily, Seattle's got a a bit more scrappy.
0: They got moxie. They got some moxie to them.
1: Yeah. I don't know if you feel that way. I feel like they got a little bit more scrappiness to them. And, uh, and part of that is because they have a quarterback that is capable of, of carrying the load. And, you know, he wasn't doing anything two weeks ago and in fantasy ended up with 56 points. You know, he ended up exploding in the fourth quarter in a, in a, you know, in a, uh, not so great, uh, you know. I, I can't remember whether they won or lost that game, um, but uh, it ended up. Uh, yeah, it was two weeks ago. I'm pretty sure they did. They lose this past week or the week before.
0: Uh, I'm looking it up right now. I'll tell you right now. Give me two shakes. They two shakes of a lamb's tail. That's right. Uh, so. Beat the Bengals, 21-20. Beat the Steelers,
1: 28-26. It was the Saints. They lost lost to the Saints. Saints. So two weeks ago. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So they were losing that game, and then they put up 20 points in the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. And so that's the kind of, I mean, when the the chips are down, you're against the rope, Russell Wilson is capable of, you know, giving a really good fight well barrier. and if you
0: look the offense is still pretty good 21 points in the first week 28 points in the second week 27 points in the third week 27 points in the fourth week three weeks in a row almost the exact same amount of points 28 points 27 27 yeah very so, consistent so
1: they're, yeah they're 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 averaging nearly four touchdowns a game which yeah. is great a great average you know any team would want especially if you're Miami but um <laughs> You know, with them, I think, uh, you know, it's like, you know, you know what their deficiencies is are. It's on the defensive side and it's with age. You know, you just have to. Russell Wilson is just so elusive. And that's what makes him so dangerous, is because he's so good at avoiding the sack that he can keep the plays going. So, and the guys that, you know, his supporting cast is well aware of this because he's just been doing it for so long that they're able to, they, they, they feed off of that vibe. You know, whether it's, you know, they're the, and I know the rookie DK Metcalf is having a good season so far, you know, Tyler Lockett is still reliable. Gary Jennings is out there. Jerron Brown is out there. So, you know, they got playmakers there and they also got, you know, they also got a good running back core, you know, despite some of the mishaps from Carson, you know, he's, when he's not fumbling the ball, he's doing very well. So, you know, and Rashad Penny's a reliable backup, solid backup. So they, they've got some players out there that can carry this team if the defense is not able to hold, which, you know, they weren't against New Orleans. But they lost that lead early, and they had to play catch-up, and that was just too much. But they did bounce back against Arizona, but then again, it's Arizona. You might as well be playing Miami. It really doesn't matter when you're playing either of those teams. So I think, uh, you know, they they still got some punch. You know, I'm I'm less worried about them though, because I feel like they can be Pete Carroll can be beat. You know, you just you, Pete Carroll, and the same with the same with um, McVeigh because I believe with McVeigh, Mc remember McVeigh is a derivative of Kyle Shanahan. He comes from uh, he's like he's like a subtree in the in the in the Sha- Kyle Shanahan offensive coordinator days. He comes from that that group. So, and to me. Based on and don't get me wrong, Sean McVay is a great play designer, but I just feel like Kyle Shanahan is still on another another level when you put these two together, and part of it is because he's been doing it for much much longer, and he comes from you know NFL royalty in 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 his father, Mike Shanahan, who comes from NFL royalty, in that he was a coordinator under Bill Walsh and won Super Bowls with the Niners in the 80s, and was able to take that knowledge and, you know, take John Elway over the hump a couple times. So, you know, there's just a little bit more, there's just a deeper resume that that leads me to believe that Kyle Shanahan's just a, just a, a, I think he's better than Sean McVay. Even though the records records of the teams in the last couple years wouldn't wouldn't reflect that. You know, you could you could debate that. But at the same time, I just think, you know, you got to look at his body of work and what he's done with with quarterbacks and offenses around the league over the course of his tenure tenure as an offensive coordinator and it just you know it's it's just far and away greater than anything McVay has done although McVay going to the Super Bowl in his second year as a rookie coach in his mid-30s is still an amazing accomplishment you know only a few guys have done that you know John Gruden did that when he was in his 30s with the Raiders in Tampa Bay taking them um or he didn't go with the Raiders but he was he was on his way with the Raiders before getting cut loose and going to Tampa and taking you know a stellar group to the promised land but anyways i'm going off on a rant but either way the point is these teams are beatable and now that we have a now that we have a healthy team that's starting to gel together particularly on the defensive side and the offensive side has moments of gelling but still needs to iron out some kinks in terms of discipline with the penalties and that kind of stuff the the fumbles the turnovers and the penalties are really the two things that need to get ironed out on offense and then they'll be fine Um, So once that gets happened, though, I just think, to me, the the biggest X factor that we have on our team right now before we get into our our topic for the night is just Kyle Shanahan. To me, whenever I look at the matchups, I say like, all right, so there's some matchups here on defensively that, you know, I like the matchup here with, uh, you know, D Ford against this so-and-so, and and I like Richard Sherman in this this matchup against this receiver. But at the same time, when I really kind of look at the forest versus the individual trees i always come back to the same x factor which is Kyle Shanahan because i just think i think he's better than Pete Carroll i think he's better and pete carroll pete carroll's good but remember pete carroll comes from an older era of football where you know i think and he's and he's and he runs an old school system he's the head coach he has an offensive coordinator he has a defensive coordinator kyle shanahan's like nope i'm the offensive coordinator and the head coach because nobody can call plays the way i can call plays and we've seen that demonstrated um, multiple times in the last couple of years even during the the losing years we've seen him take it, being able to design plays around players strengths and able to get the most out of them even when you know you're one in 10 you know and still competing so that that to me is 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 i think goes a long way despite not getting the outcome you want at the very end i still think that, that that's there's a reason in other words there's a reason why majority of coaches and pundits say that Kyle Shanahan is the best play caller in the NFL it's because nobody designs plays as good as he does because nobody understands both sides of the game he understands defense just as well as he understands offense if you've ever heard him talk in uh, the multitude of interviews that he gives whenever he decides to get into the x and os a little bit and he doesn't get too deep because the people his audience doesn't understand it as well as, as he does and rightfully so we don't understand it as well as Kyle does but whenever he does he speaks so competently about the defense just as much as it does does the offense because that's where the play design ingenuity comes from. It comes from being able to know how to expose the defense regardless of what kind of look you're getting and who's on the other side waiting for you. So that that takes uh, that takes some pretty deep knowledge to be able to accomplish that. And I think that as long as the team stays healthy, there's going to be some, some promising and very exciting matchups in the division as we go forward in the season. 100%. 100%.
0: Sent. And we will be discussing that at length on Sunday's episode of the Gold Cast. We will be discussing that at length. So Raymond, let's get into this. Let's get into what we came for. We promised the people, we, would, we said that this would be a fantasy-centric episode. So last time, on August 15th, when Louie and I did our previous episode, we said the top three players... That would have the most fantasy value out of the NFC West were, in no particular order, but we went with the 49ers first because this is the 49ers gold cast, George Kittle, Todd Gurley, and David Johnson. Obviously, Todd Gurley from the Los Angeles Rams, David Johnson from the Arizona Cardinals. We said these three players, we believed, would have the most fantasy value of any players out there. We also thought Russell Wilson was gonna be pretty competitive, and I was very high on Tevin Coleman. I thought he was going to ball, but I still overall in general was very dubious of any 49er player outside of George Kittle. I was very dubious. So here we are fast forward to four weeks later, Raymond. And so let's go through the rankings position by position. So let's start with the quarterbacks. And the number one quarterback In the NFC West, without question, he is the third ranked quarterback in fantasy across the entire league is Russell, Muscle, Hustle and Bustle, Wilson. Uh, He's passed for 1,141 yards, eight touchdowns. He's rushed for 88 yards, two touchdowns, and has total right now, average across, maybe different depending on your league rules, but is 96.44 points so far through three, four fantasy games. That's pretty good. In the running backs, the seventh-ranked running back is, and as we accurately had predicted, David Johnson, top seven. He's rushed for 173 yards, one touchdown. He has uh, 21 receptions, 182 yards, for a total of 74.5 points. Coming after him is Mr. Todd Gurley. But... Definitely a regressive year for Mr. Todd Gurley. He is ranked 14th overall in fantasy running backs. Rushed for 219 yards. It's
1: a far cry from where he was last year.
0: Far, far cry. Well, that knee is definitely, he has not been the same since the playoffs. We all know that he was injured throughout the playoffs, and he's definitely not been the same. He's rushed for 219 yards, three touchdowns. Then this is followed by 11 receptions. Sixty two yards for a total of fifty seven point one points. Coming yeah, in at- They've
1: been doing. they've been doing a committee over there and it's really eating up in this time. I think the one of the only reasons why he had a big game this past week was because they had a big ass shootout against Tampa Bay and they both you know, scored almost nearly a hundred points.
0: And you know what? To be honest, to Sean McVay's credit, he said at the beginning of the season that they really weren't that concerned with the beginning of the season, that they were going to go running back by committee with the intention of really unleashing him towards the end of the season when they needed him most. So for fantasy players, if you stay, Raymond, who has Todd Gurley, if you stay All right, I confident. Used to, I used to have. Say it again.
1: I don't have Todd Gurley this year.
0: Oh, who has Todd Last Gurley year. this year?
1: Uh, I think uh, cousin cousin Brian
0: Oh he does have Todd Gurley. okay so he is if you're if you stay hold on to him cousin Brian, he will be they're hoping he's going to be pretty dominant weeks 12, 13, 14 on. So number 15 on the running back so we have three NFC West running backs in the top 15. Mr. Chris Carson 262 yards, one touchdown, 14 receptions for 100 yards. his total points are 56. 2. So now let's go into our wide receivers and at number 2, my favorite wide receiver in all of the NFC West the one guy I wish the 49ers would drafted. The wide receiver I wish we had the wide receiver I wish ours would be Mr. Number 2 Cooper Cup Cooper Cup 32 receptions 388 yards 3 touchdowns, 89.2 points. I am riding this guy to first place in my restaurant league. I'm in three different leagues. Then at number 9 for the Seahawks, Tyler Lockett. 26 receptions, 328 yards, 2 touchdowns, 70.8. So now those are just the those are the top 2, those are top 2 right there in our tight ends. Big Mr. Kittle going in the third round of every single league I was in. Kittle is not the number one wide receiver for the NFC West. (gasps) It's for the Seahawks. Not yet. Mr. Will Disley. 19 receptions, 181 yards, four touchdowns, 61.1 total points. And then behind him at number 13, number 13, The number one tight end in the league last year in fantasy, Mr. George Kittle, 17 receptions, 165 yards, zero touchdowns, 33.5 total points, 50% of Mr. Will Disley. Raymond, talk about game one a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about this because game one, he had an opportunity to really put himself on the map, but he didn't explain that for the people
1: well he had two touchdowns nullified by penalties and had he had that he would have easily easily had i think you know close to 26 points which would have still been statistically even going through his other games would have still been his biggest game this year so and and even even now that's still his best point total of the season so far and he ended up with 13 points you know, and it, it, part of it is to, there's twofold. So Kyle Shanahan's offense is not fantasy friendly. It really isn't. And that's because, you know, I, I'll, I will gladly take a, a non-friendly fantasy offense from Kyle Shanahan if it en- gives the Niners a W at the end of the day. Because, you know, it's, it's all about ball distribution it's about spreading the ball around. It's not like a lot of these other teams that really kind of focus on one or two, you know, really potent assets, uh, you know, like uh, Alvin Kamara is, you know, him and Michael Thomas share the receiving job. And he gets the bulk of, you know, he's getting a little bit more than than his usual uh, touches uh behind the line of scrimmage they don't have Mark Ingram anymore he plays for the Ravens but so he's now getting that ever since Drew Brees went down they're starting to run the ball a little bit more to alleviate some pressure off of Teddy Bridgewater and so he's getting more touches but my point is that like it's really only two guys that really kind of fuel that offense where in Kyle Shanahan's no one's really emerged as a number one and even if we did Kyle Shanahan would still do what he's doing now which is you know Kittle's got 13 points, 8 points, and 11 points in the last three weeks. So he's kind of, he's getting an even look of distribution, uh, uh, of looks, in, or uh, targets, sorry. And the same can be said in the running back court. Breida shares carries with Raheem Mostert, but then when they get in the red zone, the ball goes to Jeff Wilson. So even if you get all the yards, you don't get to capitalize on all that yardage with a touchdown because it's going to be given to somebody else because Kyle Shannon just loves to keep defenses off balance and Jeff Wilson has proven he's had four touchdowns since getting called up and he all, he looked great in, in practice in the the preseason. I was hoping that he would get a shot. I just didn't know. I didn't want it to come at the expense of Tevin Coleman, who's probably going to come back for next Monday's game. So I'm curious to see how they plan to rearrange the running game. Will it be meet Raheem Mostert that gets? the goal line carries or will Brita get those touches or will Tevin Coleman's pretty good at at goal line goal line scoring that was kind of one of his skill sets in Atlanta so I wouldn't be surprised if Jeff Wilson goes back down or gets reduced to some kind of special teams role in favor of you know a reliable proven veteran like Tevin Coleman we'll just have to see where it goes either way none of these backs are really worth having unfortunately they're flex players is what they are. And you know, good luck guessing how that's gonna, (laughs) you know, how how that's gonna distribution is gonna play out uh, for any of those players. It's just really, really because Kyle Shanahan doesn't give anything up like any other coach in the NFL doesn't give away his chips. So it's hard to really figure out who's gonna be the playmaker. The only one that's gonna be consistent is George Kittle because he's an amazing route runner and he has the best yards after catch of any tight end in the NFL right now. And and. I think he's up there in terms of yards after catch for receiving, for just regular receivers too.
0: So, so to yes and you, Raymond, Will Disley, as I mentioned, 19 receptions, 181 yards, four touchdowns. Kittle's right behind him. 17 receptions, 165 yards compared to 19-181. The difference is the touchdowns. Four touchdowns for Disley, zero for George Kittle. So that's their points are literally 50. It's, his points are 50% of Will Disley. But the yards and the receptions are almost identical. Almost identical. The difference has been this year in the red zone. 100% in the red zone. And as you already mentioned, two touchdowns called back in game one. He would have already had two of the four of Will Disley. It's just, it's just not his year for, for touchdowns so far. Right. I mean,
1: it wasn't last year. He only had five last year, too. But he was racking up so much yardage that it was like you could deal with it. But at the same time, he had like 50 yard run to a touchdown. He had 30 yard run to touchdown, you know. So we just need to see a little bit more of that, you know, that I hopefully that will come about in the next few weeks. You know, we'll we'll talk about, you know, we'll obviously always bring up the Kittle matchups going into week after week now that we're done with the bye. Which I, I, you know, is actually kind of helpful looking at, you know, how our early injuries are, have stacked up. I want to get some of those guys back to healthy. But yes, but yes, going back to your point, yeah, it's just not there for them yet. But there's still a lot of football left. We haven't even got. Niners have not even got to 25% of the schedule yet.
0: No, they have not. So let's go on to the last two uh, positions: kicker and defense positions. I give very little, if any credence to but this is a fantasy show we promised you full fantasy so let's go number two greg Zerline from the los angeles rams with a total of 45 points no surprise there yeah no surprise there zane gonzalez number eight with the arizona cardinals with 34 points and then robbie gould at number 14 with 28 points i'm actually happy about this the reason he hasn't is cuz the 49ers are actually putting up touchdowns this year. This is actually yep. this is actually a good thing for for 49ers fans, this is a good thing for fantasy, eh, not as much, but still the difference between number 2 and number 14 is only what 17 points. Not that big of a difference. Really not that big of a difference.
1: No, it isn't. And you know, to your point, that's that's exactly why Robbie's not the dominant kicker that he was last year because we're scoring touchdowns now. We're not relying on him as much because we're, we're, we've been effective in the red zone the last few weeks. And not only are we scoring touchdowns on offense, but we've scored touchdowns on defense this year too. So we're scoring on both sides of the football, waiting for special teams to get in on that action with some returns. That would be nice to have is something that we haven't seen happen since, you know, I don't know, Ted Ginn jr. So it's been a while. And uh, yeah, and so Greg Zerline's getting lots of field goals and point-after attempts because they're putting up a little bit more points than we are. Although I have to look at the point toward I'm not sure how accurate that is. I think they've just been relying on more... Greg has gotten more field goal opportunities. And last week, they put up f- over 40 points. So, you know, that always is going to get you a bump up in the stats. And we had a bye. So once we once we catch up by a game... You know, these stats will start to look a little bit more comparable in terms of the gap between, you know, our position and the next the next NFC West team's position.
0: I think that's Raymond. I think that's actually really important to note, too, is that we are comparing three weeks of 49ers to four weeks of Seahawks, uh, Cardinals and Rams. Let's go to the last one. The position I give almost no credence to, and that is defense. 49ers are ranked number 5 with a total of 41 points. The Seahawks are number 12 with a total of 33 points. The difference between 5th and 12 is a total of 8 points right now in fantasy averages. Still, 41 points is better than 33. Can't deny that. And But the Niners so far, as you mentioned, are not really the kind of team that lend themselves well to to fantasy value 49ers fifth ranked defense in fantasy and then
1: how- i mean for fantasy i mean if if you have a defense in fantasy then then by all means you know you'll want one of these top five crews here yes no question you, you, but you know but you know because uh i don't know how i mean our in our family league we give points to interceptions and sacks so for a team like like the Niners defense that's actually getting sacks and picks this year, that actually bolsters your point total on, on that back end position that, you know, that's obviously a, um, an accumulated position of all those players happening at once. I know some leagues have, which I think is weird where they act, you can actually pick defensive players. That seems, just seems like a dice roll. That's just
0: too much. It's too much. Yeah. But yes, but I'm saying of the, of, of all these positions, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, Kickers and defense. The only the only position that the 49ers crack the top 10 or even the top five is the defense, which also says a lot about where our defense is. So let's go, Raymond. Let's talk about the three most valuable players in week, in, as of week four. So before week one, Louie and I predicted George Kittle from the 49ers, Todd Gurley from the Rams, and David Johnson from the Cardinals. The top three. Most valuable players coming out of fantasy right now are Russell Wilson, 96.44 points. Cooper Cup at 89.2. My favorite fantasy player in the world. I hate to admit it. It's so true. And then Mr. David Johnson was 74.5. I would say out of all of these players, the player that I think has the most value is Cooper Cup. I think Cooper Cup, coming off that ACL, I, we did not expect him to be as dominant as he is, but he has really, really come on in the last couple of weeks in fantasy numbers. His numbers are crazy
1: right now. Yeah, if it wasn't for Keenan Allen in LA, that's destroying the league right now with uh, with uh, Philip Rivers, Cooper Cup would be the number one receiver.
0: He is. His fantasy value yeah. is off the chain right now this is overall you've seen the overall numbers of that team go down brandon cooks uh robert woods and cooper cup it didn't matter who you had last year all three of those guys were putting up monster numbers brandon cooks has been okay you know he's been not bad i think you've just in general seen uh overall drop in production from everyone from the rams you see i'm looking right now at the stats you got tyler lockett in ninth place larry fitzgerald coming in at 13th place Larry Fitzie has definitely had a uh, a revival 23 receptions 300 yards two touchdowns 65 points total and then Robert Woods all the way down at 19th with 26 receptions 307 yards zero touchdowns 61 points not a huge not a huge difference from Fitzie in fact, a little bit more a little bit more yards, but no touchdowns and then Brandon Cooks Brandon Cooks isn't even in the top twenty five he has been a pretty big disappointment. this is a guy who is huge, but I think that has a lot more to do with Jared Goff than it does Brandon Cooks. What would you say
1: yeah I think it's the fact that the running game really isn't producing as well as it has the previous two years and because they're only running because they're the the bulk of the the offense that really sets up the pass because it's not pulling the same weight that it has, you know they're having a hard time getting the passing game going the way it has in the past because they. Sean, remember, Sean McVay is a product of Kyle Shanahan, so he likes to run the play action pl- pass, the pre snap motion. He likes to do a lot of that stuff. It's not as well designed as as Kyle Shanahan, obviously, and we went we got we went over that already, but. You know, part of that reason why it's not getting going as well as it has, because the running game isn't as strong as it has been. They're not the number one rushing team in the NFL, not not by a long shot. They have to run by committee because their workhorse isn't a hundred percent right now. If he was, then he'd be getting all the carries, which is how he's handled. You know, that's how his career's been. He's been the workhorse. But, you know, I think perhaps some of those excess touches over the years are starting to catch up to him a little bit. You know, it's hard to, to take that many touches and take a beating on your body. You know, so only so many – bat. I mean, Frank Gore is an exception. He's not the rule. Frank Gore had two knee surgeries coming out of college and is still in the NFL, now the fourth all-time rusher of all time. He's, he's such a champ. He's a champ.
0: He's an champ. amazing champion. He's yeah, so, i He's mean, the best. But well, my
1: point is, like you know, he's he used to be a workhorse like that, and you know now he's on his sixteenth year or or thirteenth or something fourth. I don't know. He's up there. It's been well, hundredth <laughs> year. I think he's on the hundred and fiftieth year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, Frank Orr, eighty years old. he, he has a motorized. Uh, a wheelchair that he that he <laughs> plays with now. <laughs> it's got padding on the sides. But I mean the point is like, you know, they're they're really hurting in the running game right now. And it's not to say that it's not that it's, they're not getting any production. They're getting they are getting production in general, but it's just not as potent as it used to be where it used to be kind of That was 50% of their offense. Right now, I feel like it's more like an 80-20 deal happening between the running game and the passing game. Maybe that's an exaggeration. I don't watch them on a regular basis, and I haven't taken a... You know, I haven't taken a deep look at the Rams stats, you know, because you know, who gives a shit? It's not my team.
0: But <laughs> well, and as far uh, as, as far as running backs are concerned, the 49ers don't even crack the top twenty five and the NFC West in general, not I mean, again, running backs is very hard it in, in, in fantasy.
1: Individually, yes. But I mean as far as offense is concerned, Niners are a top five rushing yes, offense.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but, but we're but they're not concerned about today. We're only looking at fantasy value. David Johnson, number seven. You've got Todd Gurley at 14th, Chris Carson at 15, and then no other NFC West running backs in the top 25. And then quarterbacks, Yikes. Russell Wilson at number three. I'm going through the list right now, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. Russell Wilson at number three. And then for total offense across the league, you've got... Russell Wilson at number seven. Cooper Cup at number nine. And uh, I'm sorry, I just always say his name that way. If if any of you guys were in my fantasy teams, I literally say that all the time because he's just, I've had him for three years straight, and he's been one of the absolute most monstrous wide receivers I've ever had in fantasy. He is the best. I wish the Niners had him so badly. But uh, yeah, Wilson at seven, Cup at nine. And then uh, that's it. That's it for total all offense. So, in general, Russell Wilson and Cooper Cup are the most valuable top 25 players. And then, of course, David Johnson coming in at number three. So, our predictions, Raymond, were total bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) In uh, in conclusion. In conclusion. They were bullshit. Uh, really interesting. If I was to take... Well, let me ask you, Raymond. Let's predict four weeks from now. Do any, any of the 49ers offensive players crack it? Jimmy G, Kittle? I have no hope for the wide receivers. Uh,
1: I would say uh, I I think you nailed it. You know, as far as you know, conjecture is concerned, I think Jimmy G and Kittle are the only two that have a chance. Jimmy G likes to take chances, and so he... Tends to give up a pick almost, you know, every other game, so that might hurt him.
0: It will improve over time, but, though.
1: But it it will. He just need reps to, to get used to that. You know, he doesn't have a lot of reps, but this he has the potential to be a seventy percent type of thrower. You know, which is Drew Brees territory, which is hard to hit, but you know, he's 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 done it in games before. So we'll just have to see. I I think he's capable of doing that. You know, he's he he is. He has the capability to be like the the second best quarterback in the NFC West right now. I, I can't I can't crown him as far as records concerned. Yes, you can say he's the best, but it's you know he has to he has to prove a lot more. You know Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in the NFC West by far, but I think that Jimmy G has the potential to to unseat him over time.
0: I hope you're right. That was he's a-
1: coming in his prime, and one one still kind of. I mean, Russell Wilson still plays like he's in his prime. You know, he just doesn't have the same cast that got him to the promised land before. So I think that's the only thing. But, but the fact that he doesn't get hit and avoid sacks a lot, you know, also helps him. That's why Brett Favre, you know, was able to start majority of the games of his career because he just was so goddamn hard to sack. And he would always sling the ball out before he got to him.
0: So I will say this in conclusion. If you have Cooper Cup or Russell Wilson, kudos to you. Well done. If you don't have Cooper Cup or Russell Wilson, maybe now's the time to trade for him. I really could have traded for Cup last week. My dad, our dad, famously the unofficial fourth member of the Gold Cast, he wanted Julio Jones and uh, running back, and uh, we we could not decide which running back. I should have just given him straight, and straight up. He was, I think, he was considering Julio Jones straight up for Cooper Cup, which I should have done because it would have been the dumbest trade for him ever and the greatest trade for me. But alas. It is what it is. I am second place in that league, first place in my other league. Cooper Cup's with me in that league, and, and that's where he's gonna stay. It is all right with me. Any final thoughts, Raymond, on the NFC West Fantasy Check-in Week four edition? I'm sorry. <laughs> I said any any well, final thoughts?
1: <laughs> oh, no. Um no, just uh I think I think Jimmy G will start to climb the ladder as you know, the offense starts to polish itself out, and I think George Kittle will eventually catch up to the rest of the tight ends and crack that top five. So some guys have just gotten a, a better start than him. Mark Andrews was nothing last year, and he had a monster start. Travis Kelsey's, you know, a very consistent in that offense. So they just have to, you know, continue to feed him the ball like they have and not nullify plays by, uh, by penalties, by stupid penalties. And we're also a week behind, too. So I, I think I think you add another week. There's a good chance he he cracks top ten.
0: I love it. All right. Well, there it is. There's our fantasy check in for the NFC West. So concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the Voice of the Bay. I'm your host Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host Raymond Salisa First, baby. Boom. We'll see you next time. Same Gold Cast time. Same Gold Cast channel. Let's go! This
1: is. This is the Gold